0: downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. In the Old Testament, Moses asks, what does the Lord your God require of you? And then he answers his own question, By saying only to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and to keep the commandments of the Lord your God. Not sure if we're working here. There we go. Yep. So um, this evening, uh, I'd like to speak for a short while, hopefully on diversions uh, this message was inspired last Sunday morning. Um, as you know, Esther's just been able to get up today after uh, four weeks of missing church. So, the past few Sundays I've driven up from Dollingstown. It normally takes about an hour, maybe an hour and 10, 15 minutes. Sometimes, if you hit the traffic on a bad day, it's about an hour and a half. So, I would normally leave myself enough time that I would be in church for about half an hour before it starts. I always say to our girls when they start at work or they wait for an interview, you're better being 10 minutes early as being a minute late. And I'm sure most of you would agree with me on that. And so heading up the Glenavy Road is it the A26 from, from Moira up the airport road, as I would call it. Just um, coming into Glenavy, of course, there was a diversion. And I had to go off at Glenavy, and then I had to make my way along all these wee, twisty wee roads to... Crumlin, the big city of Crumlin, and then across to Nut's Corner. So if you know that route, you'll know that probably took me an additional 10 minutes. And I was still in church, I think, between about a quarter, sorry, about 25 to 22. So it was still okay. I'd built in a wee buffer. And just as I was driving, uh, this this word, diversions, um, came into my mind. I thought, Do you know what? That's a good, I think it's a good title for a sermon. And so during the week then, I developed this message diversions we have all had them if you if 're a driver or a passenger you 've all been subject at times to diversions on the road, and they 're normally a driver 's worst nightmare. Stop, go, turn right, turn left, go slow, jump the lights. Anyone ever done that mm. Yeah, a few nods there. Uh, Diversions always seem to appear out of nowhere. They come when we least expect them and least want them, either because we're maybe running late or because they simply give us a bit of the old road rage. Now, I would know that nobody in Elam would have road rage. I'm not even going to ask a show of hands. But diversions do put us off the course, don't they? They put us off the course that we intended traveling on, and they do add ages of time to our journey. So diversions can be a real pain. But a road diversion is there for a reason. And that reason is not always known to us. Although what's annoying, we've got to understand that we simply don't know What is ahead? We don't know what's round the corner, but the one who is in charge of the diversion certainly does. The one who planned the diversion knows what they are doing because they know the end from the beginning or the beginning from the end. And so if we were to keep on going and ignore the the diversion or the diverted sign, we would end up at a dead end. We'd be forced to stop simply because we've run out of road. Likewise, if we can parallel this in the spiritual world and in our Christian journey, sometimes the Lord has to stop us in our tracks. Sometimes he has to stop us on the road that we're on and divert us elsewhere for our own good. Why? Because he doesn't want us to run out of road and he doesn't want us to end up at a dead end. Now, I for one know that that's what the Lord had to do with me. He's had to do it with me on more than one occasion, but I think of one really biggie, and you know my story, the vast majority of you, apart from maybe some people who have joined us of late, I'm happy to share that with anyone at any stage, but the Lord had to divert me. A number of years ago, in fact, there was a, you know, these Facebook memories that come up. Esther showed me one this morning, nine years ago, a certain thing come up. And I said, wow, that was actually kind of the start of our journey back into ministry. So the Lord had to divert me off the course, off my course. And I have that in uh, italics, my course, that I had mapped out for me Because he wanted to guide me back into ministry after three decades of doing my own thing. And that's that's the plain honest truth of it. But I wonder this evening, am I the only one that God has had to put a diversion in front of so that he can steer them in the right direction? Somehow I think not. I think that it is quite a common thing that we as Christians need at times to be diverted to where God wants us to go. And so can I say this? that if you're in the middle of a diversion as we speak and you don't know why you don't quite know where you're going because when you're on a diversion quite often you don't know the roads that you're taking and this might sound so so simple but just keep on going keep on trusting and keep on trusting that God is in Control. Keep on trusting that God knows all about the journey that you are on and that He will bring you through, that someday He will reveal to you the reason for the journey that you're on right now. Uh, And my daily readings is by Timothy Keller, uh, would be a particular um, author who I'd be very fond of. And he said this, I'm not quite sure what morning it was, but I'm just kind of breaking into one of his thoughts. He said, waiting on God rather than jumping the gun by taking matters into your own hands is the epitome of wisdom. Have you ever jumped the gun? Have you ever taken things into your own hands? We all have, let's be honest. He just made the point that it's the contrasting lives and destinies of King Saul and King David, which we're not going to get into tonight. But of course, King Saul was the people's choice, wasn't he? And and King David was God's choice. And then Timothy Keller would finish his wee devotional. And probably if you have a devotional, we'd end with a prayer as well. And, And here's a couple of wee interesting wee nuggets that he said in his prayer. Lord, I confess that I do not understand your timing. Not a good one. I confess that I do not understand your timing. If I were in charge of history and my life, I would have arranged things differently. Mm? Sounds good. What well, doesn't sound good, but it sounds true. But I cannot see the whole picture. I cannot see from beginning to end, and so I wait for you in obedience and in prayer. You see, we cannot see the whole picture. We cannot see what's ahead of us. We can't see what's around the corner. But the one who holds our future certainly does. You see, diversions can sometimes be a little bit hard to follow. They can be very confusing at times. Diversions can be as clear as mud as we would say. Turn right, turn left, right, left, wrong. Go slow, don't go so. Don't jump the lights, by the way. I'm not allowed to do that. Diversions can be tricky because they take us down roads that are unfamiliar to us. They take us off the main road to a by road or a B road or a country road and sometimes a lane. I don't know. And they're unfamiliar to us and that's where it spooks us a little bit. Diversions bring change, and one thing that I find in my life and in ministry is that, generally speaking, people don't like change. Change is uncomfortable. Yet it's often necessary, not get into that, that's a sermon for another day. Some of you may know Jack McKee, Pastor Jack McKee. He has pastored New Life City Church um, in Belfast. Um, his church is situated between Divis Street and the Shankill. It's kind of an interface area. Wonderful, wonderful guy. He said this the other day, life is full of challenges and it's full of Distractions. Yet in the midst of all of those challenges and in the midst of all of those distractions, you can still count your blessings. You can still be surprised at what the Lord has done, which is why it is important to stay focused on what God is doing. That's just a colleague of mine in ministry. And sometimes you'll come across these traffic controls as well. We've all seen them where... It's not necessarily a diversion, but there's something happening on the road and you've got this either slow or you've got, you know, the the lollipop stick that you see there and there's a couple of guys that look about 13 and, and they've got the lollipop stick in one hand, they've got the mobile phone at their ear in the other and they just stand there all day twisting the, the stop and the go. So sometimes there are these traffic control situations. You see, sometimes God simply has to Slow us down Sometimes God has to slow us down Otherwise We'll crack up Or we'll burn out And neither of those scenarios are good For our physical health Our mental health or our spiritual health You see God cares for us so much That he puts controls In place to slow us down To take the edge off things For our health and our well being Let's call them Diversions So if that's you this evening If God is telling you to slow down Then there's only one thing that you need to do Slow down So can we look at a few biblical examples of Diversions in the Bible I want us to look at three things And I will be brief I promise I want us to look at a stubborn donkey I want us to look at a powerful dream And I want us to look at a deadly Journey. So the first diversion is this stubborn donkey. And if you're not familiar with the story, well, we're going to read it right now. So would you turn with me, please, to Numbers 22 and verse 22, and we're going to pick up. It's actually covered over two or three chapters, but we're going to just read a number of verses here in uh, Numbers 22. We'll get the, the gist of it as the man. We'd say, so we'll give you a wee second just to you. Turn that up in your Bibles. Balaam. The guy called Balaam. Verse 22. And God was angry because he went. Balaam went and the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. Balaam was riding on his donkey and his two servants were with him. Now the donkey saw the angel of the Lord. That's interesting. Let's just kind of put that in our mind. The donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword. Okay, so the angel of the Lord wasn't there for a wee cup of tea and a, and a picnic. The sword was drawn. Battle ready. Battle ready. So his drawn sword was in his hand and the donkey turned aside out of the way. He was diverted, wasn't he? he went into the field. So Balaam struck the donkey to turn her back onto the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on this side and a wall on that side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed herself against the wall and crushed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went further and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right hand or to the left. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. So Balaam's anger was aroused and he struck the donkey with his staff. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey, and she said to Balaam, What have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? Balaam said to the donkey, So he starts. <laughs> He starts to have a conversation, bad enough that the donkey's starting to talk to him, but he's starting to talk back to the donkey. It actually is so comical, but anyhow, you, you probably know the story so well. So the donkey says, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have abused me, I wish there was a sword in my hand for now and I would kill you. A bit of a nasty piece of work there. So the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey on which you have ridden ever since I became yours to this day? Was I ever disposed to do this to you? And he said, No. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed his head and fell flat on his face. The angel of the Lord said to him, Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to stand against you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside from me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely I would also have killed you by now and let her live. Interesting. This is where the movie Shrek and the Bible have something in common. A talking donkey. So the story of the talking donkey is a a bit of a humorous way to let the reader know that Balaam, who actually describes himself as one whose eyes are opened, does not actually see the spiritual realm around him. The old donkey sees what Balaam cannot see, which is the angel of the Lord standing with this big stop sign in his hand. Balaam was more stubborn than a stubborn donkey and the stubborn donkey could see better than his stubborn master. Three times the donkey turned away or turned aside from the, the barricade from the angel of the Lord with this drawn sword in his hand, and three times Balaam beat the donkey for disobeying him. Yet all the time the donkey could see what was happening in the spirit realm, and she diverted her master from sure and certain death. So, what's the lesson that we can learn from that this evening? Well, you could say listen to talking animals, but I wouldn't recommend that. I don't know if there's any talking animals in any of the farms that the farmers have. But no, I would not recommend that. But lesson to learn. Let's learn to look at things in a spiritual context, in the spiritual realm. Not just with our physical eyes. So when you're talking to somebody and that person is is reacting or, or somebody is, is having just a really, really bad day, quite often we, we will focus on just that person and what they're saying to us. We will we will just concentrate on what we see rather than asking the Lord to help us to see what is behind the situation, what is what is driving it, what is in the spiritual realm. The other thing that we can learn is that if God is diverting us off of course, it's for our own good. Because if Balaam's donkey had not have stopped, had not have turned to the side, and would have gone on, the donkey would have lived, but Balaam would have been slain. And so there is a life lesson to learn from that the second diversion that we see in scripture is from a, a powerful, a powerful dream. You've heard of the Macedonian call, and maybe you will turn with me then to the book of Acts, please, just for a few moments, um, Acts chapter uh, 16, and again, just maybe four or five verses that we can read uh, in, in that chapter. And so if you're in in chapter uh, 16, if you look at verse 6. Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. After they had come to Mizra, they tried to go to Bithany, but the Spirit did not permit them. So, passing by Mizra, they came down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. It was a man of Macedonia who stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and to help us. Now, after he had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel to them. And so the Macedonian call is a a profound God-given vision that literally stopped Paul in his tracks. This powerful dream came about on Paul's second missionary journey and diverted him and redirected his, his course or his route to go where he was most needed. You see, Paul's original plan was to visit and to strengthen the churches that he had planted in the Asian province of Galatia during his first missionary journey. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. In fact, that was a very good strategy plan that the Apostle Paul had. And after that, he hoped to take the gospel then to on church regions. Paul and his companions, who were Silas and and Timothy, had plans to head directly west, but they were kept or they were forbidden or stopped or diverted by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. You see, God had a better plan. See, once again, we see that God, the Holy Spirit, If I can say this respectively, God the Holy Spirit was standing with a big stop sign in his hand. And by the means of a powerful and a clear vision, he diverts Paul and his colleagues in a different direction. He he diverts them elsewhere. What's lovely to read, if we read kind of... Into the story if we try and get under the surface a little bit It's evident that these early missionaries were sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit It's evident that the route that they took relied heavily On the direction of the Spirit and of prayer And so the question is tonight How much do we rely upon the Holy Spirit to lead us and guide us? How sensitive are we to hearing the sound of his voice among all of the clatter and all of the clamor and all of the noise? I don't know about you, but I just think that life is just noisy. There are just so many voices and so many noises. You can hardly hear your ears, as the man would say. But how sensitive are we to hearing the sound of the voice of the Holy Spirit? rather than what we have planned to do. It is good to plan and it's good to have strategies. In fact, if you're running a business or you're a manager or you're running the house or running a church, the principles are all the same. If you don't have a vision, if you don't have a plan, if you don't have a strategy in place, well, then there's a major problem you do need to plan. But you need to plan according to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. And perhaps the most important question of all tonight is, are we willing to change course if that's what God is asking us to do? I'll maybe just ask that question again. And believe me, when I'm asking you, I'm asking myself. It's a rhetorical question. Are we willing to change our course if that's what God is telling us to do? You see, divine divine diversions are God's way of leading us, not only in his right paths, but his righteous paths, just like we read in Psalm 23. And of course, folks, the, the third diversion that we read about and that is the very reason why we are here tonight is that deadly journey that Jesus took. In Isaiah 50, and if you, can, if you can read it there, it quotes verse 7. Because the Lord God helps me, I have not been disgraced, therefore I have set my face like flint, and I know that I will not be put to shame. In Luke's gospel in chapter 9, I'll just read it to you. It's just three verses that really take this Old Testament prophecy and, and basically confirm it once again. It doesn't just say it word for word, uh, but in Luke's gospel, Luke records Jesus heading to Jerusalem. In verse 51 of chapter 9, it says, When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Long ago, people would have used pieces of flint for arrowheads and for knives. In Isaiah, we read that the servant of the Lord, who of course is Jesus, set his face like flint. You see, setting your face like Flint means that you expect that something you are going to do is going to be hard. But you are determined to be harder. You are determined that you will accomplish the task that is set before you. And Isaiah 56 prophesied, the, the, the prophet prophesied I think it's maybe six or 700 years before the birth of Jesus, uh, that he was to face the cross and obtain the glory that was set before him, Requoting the verse, "For the Lord, God helps me, therefore I am not disgraced, therefore I have set my face like Flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed." You see, Jesus never once let the devil divert him. From doing the will of the Father. And if you take the life of Jesus. There were so many times. When the devil tried to intervene. In the life of Jesus. And to kill him. There was the slaughter of the innocent. So when the the wise men came to to worship Jesus and they came to Herod, Herod says, well, whenever you find out where he is, come back and report to me. But they knew not to do that. And, of course, we know that um, he then sent out and that every male child under the age of two years of age was slaughtered. And so that was the devil's attempt to get rid of Jesus. But he had fled at that point in time. Of course, we know of the temptations in the wilderness, where uh, the devil had, on three different occasions, come to Jesus at the end of his forty-day fast, when he would have been absolutely exhausted. He would have just have had nothing left in the tank whatsoever, and he tempted him. Perhaps there were more temptations; we don't know, but certainly these three are recorded. And each of those temptations, if Jesus would have succumbed to them, if he would have been diverted off the path and off the Father's will. Well, then he wouldn't have got to the cross if he would have bowed down and worshipped the devil. And then, of course, it was Peter. Was it Peter himself who said that Jesus shouldn't go to the cross? And Peter said, get thee behind me, Satan. And then when he was arrested, of course, it was uh, Pilate who tried to uh, get Barabbas, um, you know, let's, let's uh, keep Barabbas and release Jesus. But the, the crowd wanted Barabbas to be released and Jesus to be crucified again. If Jesus would have been released and Barabbas would have been crucified, where was the plan of salvation? So time and time and time again, we see that the devil was trying to divert Jesus off the course. But of course, we know that he had set his face like flint. Thank God for humanity's sake that he set his face like flint and he went on that deadly journey and he suffered in agony, and he suffered the brutality of the cross that you and I might be saved and that we might be set free from our sins. Folks, I'm sure you've all heard many stories about the great evangelist Billy Graham who won countless... Souls for Christ, a wonderful, wonderful man who passed away, I think, maybe six or seven years ago. But I don't know if you've heard the story of his wife, Ruth Graham, who was driving home one day on the freeway, which is like our motorway, and she came across one of these mega construction zones that seemed to go on forever and forever. It's an absolutely true story, this. And as she was coming to the end of this really, really long construction zone or construction area, this sign came up and it said, End of construction, thank you for your patience. So, after patiently and slowly driving through this work area, she took notice of this sign which read, End of construction, thank you for your patience. When Mrs. Graham got home she spoke to Billy as she was in the car she was thinking what a marvelous image for the Christian life when she got home she spoke to Billy and she related this construction story to him and she said Billy I want that written as an appetite um words we'll say on my gravestone, and that's exactly what happened when she passed this scene of time. It's written on her headstone end of construction. Thank you for your patience. Look it up when you go home. It is absolutely 100% true. See, construction comes at a cost, diversions come at a cost. The Christian journey comes. As we all know, if I were to ask you one by one to come up here this evening, And I ask you, is the Christian journey and the Christian life an easy one? I can guarantee that every one of you would say, it's not easy. I've had this, and I've had that, and I've had the other, but it's worth it all. Someone once said that Christianity, a Christianity that costs nothing is worth nothing, and that's so true as well. But just like Ruth Graham, when we're on the road, we need to have so much patience, patience for what we're enduring and we need to have a load of trust in the one who leads us every step of the way. Folks, as I begin to close this message this evening, are you willing to let the Lord divert you when he knows what is best for you? If there's anyone in tonight and you're on saved, if as yet you haven't bowed your head or bowed your knee bowed your heart and accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your saviour well your life at the moment has been lived contrary to God's will and contrary to the way of God why don't you let him divert you from the road that you're on and start this amazing journey with Jesus folks are we willing to let him take us in the direction that he knows that is best for us. Are we willing to let him lead us as he sees fit? And excuse the pun, but are we willing to let him take control of the wheel? Are we we willing to let him bring you and bring me to where he wants us to be, where we ought to be? which of course is at the very center of his will. There is nowhere better, no better place in this whole wide world than being in the very center of God's will. Are we going to let him do that? Are we going to listen for his voice? Are we going to Try to see things in the spiritual realm rather than just with our physical eyes? Or are we going to be so stubborn that we won't listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking wisdom and assurance into our hearts and guidance and direction onto our paths? I hope and I pray that we will all listen to and obey that still small voice of God the Holy Spirit gently whispering truth and love and guidance and strength and compassion into our hearts as he says to us this is the way walk you in it let's pray Lord we want to acknowledge tonight that there are many times Lord when we do our own thing, when we go our own way, when we think that we know best, when we have it all planned and we have it all sus, Lord, we confess, Lord, that so often, Lord, we get it wrong. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, because we do need help to do this. We pray that you would help us, Lord, to be much more reliant and dependent on you, that we would listen for your voice and to your voice, Lord, that you would open our eyes, that we would see beyond the physical and we would see into the spiritual realm. And Lord, that we would be perfectly willing to let you divert us from the path and the road that we are on. Lord, if you believe that that is best for us. Lord, once again, just like this morning, Lord, I pray that as we surrender our hearts and our wills and our lives to you afresh, Lord, I pray that you would take us up, Lord, as individuals and as families and as a church family here in Balaamalai Elam. And, Lord, I pray that you would do great things in and through us. Lord, I pray that you would teach us and instruct us in your way, Lord, each and every day. For in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www www.balimoneyelam.com